Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, Managers and Governmental Politics, Oil and Water, Part 1. Here we go. There's nothing more fun than talking about politics at work. Oh, I thought you were going to say baseball. No, no. <laughs> baseball gets people excited, but man, politics, it's fun. It's a lot of <laughs> <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> yeah, you can discover how poorly people argue, people uh, debate when they're mad. <laughs> <laughs> Anger and intellect don't want to go to bed, don't go together, yeah. Yeah, and they do get mad. And and so yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about that. I mean, there's some things that you shouldn't talk about. Religion, sex, politics, <laughs> right? That's what yeah. my mother told me at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty good guidance for managers, too, and probably really most professionals at work. Some topics you just can't get agreement on. And in this case, and you know, these are topics where folks' fuses are shorter than they are in perhaps other areas of their life. So, yeah, particularly these days. Yeah. You know, in the year 2010, it seems like more managers, you know, maybe the merging of government and organizations, corporations or something, the global, national, multinational corporation, it seems like more managers are being more open about politics. Yeah. And and you and I, we've, we've taught, we've spoken about this and it worries both of us. Yeah. And we've never really shared our guidance here. And, you know, simple, uh, but there's a couple twists and turns in there that probably need explaining. Yeah. Unless there be any doubts, we're not talking about office politics here. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that's inevitable. Politics at work, even though we would describe them differently than perhaps most people would. But you're going to talk about office politics at work. That's not what we're talking about. That's why this guidance is titled Managers and Governmental Politics. The kind of politics we're talking about here is the politics of governing. Labor and conservative in Britain, Democrats and Republicans in the U.S., and so on. Social Democrats, liberal, you know, conservatives, the whole thing, right? We're going to talk about how not to talk about that <laughs> stuff at work, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. What are key points we're going to cover today? Six key points. Uh, we'll make it easy. <laughs> Let's see if I have to elaborate on the first one. Professional managers do not discuss politics at work. That's point number one. Point number two, professional managers never discuss politics with their ex. If the first point wasn't clear, now we've hopefully we've elaborated a little bit on it with point two. On the other hand, here's where it gets twisty a little bit. Professional managers can and do discuss governmental actions that relate to their company. Governmental actions versus governmental politics. Okay, you're going to have to explain versus that politics. One. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we will. Yeah. Uh, number four, this one will really throw people. Joining your corporation's sponsored PAC, Political Action Committee, is not a political statement that is uh, troublesome. What? It's all – okay. Anyway, okay, we'll get to that. It has to do with personhood, if you can believe that, but we'll talk about that later. Number five, public political statements. If you're a professional manager – in a, in a company that has some professional, some public face, public political statements can be detrimental. They're not off limits. They just can be detrimental to your career. And point six, sometimes we get questions from people in small companies, and small companies are a little bit different in this regard, but we still have a small company managerial warning for those of you who think it's okay to be political uh, in a small company because you're not at a big company where you don't have as, as big a public relations department, let's put it that way. So six points. 
Okay. So your, your first point, you said that professional managers do not discuss politics at work. Dude, I hate to break this to you. It happens all the time. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, darn. <laughs> let me, let, I'm sorry. Let's ca- cancel this cast right now. I'll go back and rewrite it and say, if you do it, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what people want. They, they want to tell them it's okay. We know it's done. We wouldn't even dream to think, think that it's, it's not done. It's done every day. We know you want to discuss politics with your friends, perhaps particularly around election time and significant governmental bodies' votes and so on. Right. I guess the point is not that it doesn't happen, but smart professional managers don't do it. Yeah, right. That's that's why we're manager tools, right? We're trying to give people help about – and people go to companies and they assume that because it is done, therefore, somehow it is okay. And that's not the right way to think of it. Um, we recommend you do not talk about your party f- affiliation, your likely voting habits, as an example, your voting history – that would be politics, or your favorite candidates. Don't talk about what your political philosophy is. Don't even talk about the wisdom or lack thereof of any politician's actions, lest even an assumption about your predilections be formed by others. Don't talk about any of these things with any of your peers or your bosses, and certainly not with your directs, which again, we'll talk about more in point number two. Now, look, I I think there are some people who probably want to know why, and we want to explain why. There are some good reasons. I mentioned personhood. We won't go into the legal definitions of it, but we'll we'll skirt on that issue. But let's first make it actionable and talk about some situations that might come up at work, okay? So suppose you're hanging around a conference room for one or two or three minutes following a meeting, right? One of your colleagues, irrespective of rank, just somebody you work with, says, can you believe this latest boneheaded idea, move, position, whatever, right, of the Republicans or the Democrats or the Social Democrats, the fascists or the Greens, the liberals, the conservatives, whatever, right? What a bunch of idiots. Look, while it's certainly possible that this person is, say, a liberal Democrat criticizing another liberal Democrat statement or stand or issue or idea, it's far, far more likely that he or she is of the opposite political persuasion of the party or the idea he's attacking. So regardless, the perception is going to be left among people who are present that he is criticizing his political enemy, which makes his affiliation more obvious. Okay. So so let's talk about the other side of it. What if somebody does that? What do you do? You're the recipient, right? He's, he, he or she is probably counting on you responding in some way. What do you do? Right. Now, you, you, you've seen the two parts of this, right? The first part is you don't be the guy who says it because then by definition, you're defining yourself and you're making your political view known. And, and if somebody disagrees with you, then that reduces the chances for future communication, collaboration and so on. Right. It's one of those things that if you disagree with them politically and politics are important to some people, it makes us further apart and less likely to be successful. Right. That, that's the point, right? It's not it's not yeah. that your your views are necessarily invalid. It's that no. by engaging this kind of behavior, you're going to reduce your effectiveness at work, yeah. which is what yeah. your job's all about, effectiveness. Yeah, you go to work to be effective, not to have a platform. But but we'll talk about platforms in a minute. Okay, so you ask, what do you do? You really There are really three reasonable choices in this situation. The first is to simply ignore the criticism. This is the easiest to do, particularly if there are a couple other people in the room, right? You just pretend you didn't hear it. Comments like those don't really require responses, 
in the, the sense that a conversation with only you might suggest a response is normal. If you have two or three people in the room, you don't have to say anything, right? If they say it only to you, that's different, right? Right. Luckily, probably, at least one other person in the room will likely agree with what was said in a way that makes you sense that they are supportive of the perhaps unspoken but nevertheless clear political viewpoint of the speaker. And the reason we say ignore it is it is certainly not required that you correct your colleague in any way. Hmm. We're not talking about if this is a direct. We're talking about if this is a colleague, right? Maybe you could say their intemperate comments are inappropriate, but you're not the appropriateness police. Uh, you're not the thought police. And so people make mistakes. You make mistakes. You make errors and so on. And everyone in the company does not immediately become apolitical. It's not a question of disagreeing with their point of view. And if you try to shush them, you're going to be seen as trying to shush their point of view. And you'd like everyone to behave apolitically, but this is really just a behavioral issue. And you can behave differently and set an example. And the example is we don't talk about that stuff. The second action you can take, believe it or not, is to agree, but be careful now, to agree without taking sides. How do you do that? Okay, so think about it for a second. People are talking politics, right? Rather than taking the bait that's, that, that's essentially implying, well, I'm an X and I don't like what Y did, you might say something like, yeah, those guys in Westminster or those guys in the diet, they always seem to gum, gum things up. Or, yep, you're right, politicians never cease to amaze me. The idea here is to squelch their idea that their comment is actually a personal political one taking sides in the debate, that's what they're doing, taking sides in the debate, and you're essentially changing it to a more generic business versus stupid politics comment or a politics in general comment versus what they're doing, perhaps, likely, I would say, a one side versus the other comment. Now, look, there's a chance that somebody will make a political comment like, can you believe what these guys are doing? And you might say to yourself, gosh, I really think that's a a nonpartisan statement. They're just angry at the pol uh, the politicians for doing something dumb, whether they're whether they're on the X or the the A or B side or the the plus or minus side. It doesn't really matter. In that case, the second one, agreeing without taking sides, is is actually a, a bit of a relationship builder. Um, you just hope that they don't take it to mean okay. Now I can really share what I really think in a partisan way with you. Now, this tactic doesn't work if you think not taking sides is pointing out a similarly ignorant mistake on the other side of the political aisle. In other words, if somebody says, can you believe those stupid Republicans? And you were to say something like, yeah, can you believe those stupid Democrats? Right. Although there's a joke in America, of course, that Democrats think Republicans are evil and Republicans think Democrats are stupid. So probably both sides wouldn't call each other stupid. But you don't try to cancel out their comment. That is not a way of not taking sides. What you do is you elevate their comment to be a general one about politicians or politics or the issue that's being discussed rather than their assertion of a political point of view. If you say, oh, well, they, for instance, say, I, I can't believe what X side did. And you said, yeah, it's the same on the Y side. They did something dumb, too. That's probably going to be seen more of attack. Or if nothing else, your comment, even if your comment is not seen as an attack, will be seen as making their comment an attack. And again, these things just don't make you more effective at work.
right? We, we talk in communication uh, at the Effective Communications Conference and we talk about with DISC and so on. We don't expect you to be like everybody else, but we do expect you to work on reducing your differences. If I'm naturally assertive, but I'm dealing with somebody who's naturally reserved, I'm going to lower the behaviors I engage in that are assertive, that are perceived as assertive. Not because I'm going to become reserved overnight, but because I want to reduce the chances for miscommunication. We don't try to become them and try to communicate the way they do. We simply try to reduce the chances that I'm going to be seen as very different from them. Same thing is true with politics. I want to try to reduce the differences between you and me. And I can't reduce the differences by pointing out an, uh, an opposite point of view from you as a way of saying, yeah, all politicians are stupid. Okay? Makes sense. There is a third way, uh, and that's to walk away. It depends on the situation. If it's just you and another person, that can be awkward. And so if it's just you and another person, we recommend choice two, because you can agree without taking sides. Choice one and three, a little bit harder. But we recommend walking away in the event that the speaker is someone who is regularly intemperate or political in terms of uh, having a partisan bias. And maybe they're just unaware that the kind of guidance we're sharing here is how professionals comport themselves at work. Uh, by the way, let me address something that somebody mentioned to me when I told them I was writing this cast on, a, on an airplane. They said to me, yeah, you know, it seems though that there are a couple people in my firm who have succeeded despite this. They're very political and they seem to have done just fine. Let's be clear, folks. That is possible. Okay, you can go to work and do all the stuff we're recommending against, just like you can be a manager and blow off one on ones and not give feedback to people and not have great meetings and all that sort of stuff. Okay, we're not suggesting that everything we do will make you a great manager and the absence of it will make you a terrible manager. We're telling you all of these things can contribute to making you more professional and more effective. But if you're as smart as Bill Gates, you can you can abjure most of these recommendations and you'll be fine. And if you're the owner of the firm, you can probably be political and get away with it. Or if you're the top performer, they'll probably tolerate a little bit more. And I know that's painful for those of you who are lower performers, but the fact is there's a long history of that. And um, we can argue with it all we want, or we can embrace reality, right? This is not fantasy manager tools. This is reality manager tools. So that said, it is reasonable in some situations to walk away, particularly with somebody who is naturally that way, um, tends to invite criticism or conflict, let's say. Look, if the group you're in is big enough to just leave, then just leave and you won't be missed and no worries. But if there are only three folks in the conference room, you're going to have to make an excuse like, sorry, folks, I've just remembered a deliverable or something like that. In fact, I worked for a person once who, who told me, if you ever me say, sorry, I have to go get something done, that's my standard line for getting out of a situation that I either know is bad or I don't like the way it's going and I don't want to put the energy into fixing it. And I stole it and used it, have used it many, many times. So those are some examples where you are faced with that. Now, obviously, we're not going to give you examples of what to do when you say it because we're telling you don't say anything political, which is to say don't say anything partisan. But we mentioned at the top of the guidance, it, it seems more prevalent now than it used to be. Maybe that's just because, uh, even though I did a great deal of work in politics a number of years ago, maybe it's just because there's a lot of writing today in the States and elsewhere in the world about politics becoming more polarized. So th that may be the cause, I don't know, but we don't want to miss an opportunity to talk about this. Isn't this a, an abridgment of my First Amendment <laughs> rights? 
And really? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it really, really isn't. And folks, Mike really doesn't think that. Look, for the Americans listening, and, and in fact, often when I'm concerned about how Mike and I's perceptions as Americans affect what may be happening in the workplace, our recommendations work across the board, even in small companies. There are certainly some exceptions that tend to be grouped into cultural or nationalistic exceptions, although we generally don't see it quite that way. Nevertheless, we recommend, recognize that when it comes to something like political speech, all countries have different approaches to this. I mean, certainly the approach in China is different than it is here, simply because of the nature of the governmental policies there. You know, there, there are places in the world that are considered modern countries in many ways, uh, where torture still occurs of one's own citizens uh, if one speaks out against the government. And control of the judiciary, judiciary branch is an important part of uh, consolidating power if you're an executive in order to punish your your enemies. Uh, that tends to put what, what I think uh, – I, I can't remember the phrase. Mike, what's the phrase that we use? Oh, I know. In, in America, if you do something that is innocent but nevertheless has a, quote, chilling effect – on the use, someone else's use of a right, then that causes it to be a concern. So those kinds of things have a chilling effect on one's interest in using one's uh, right to freedom of speech. And, and free speech is, is not necessarily the word that other people use. And so we're not suggesting that this is an American viewpoint, but we, because we have so many listeners in America, we want to be clear about something. And to be fair, we really do believe this applies to most modern democratic nation states uh, that have some basic free speech right. And let's be clear about something. And it may surprise many of you, and it'll surprise a lot of Americans. You do not have First Amendment rights at work in a private sector organization. Now, I'm sorry I rambled on there for a second. I, I was not crisp in my delivery. When we say First Amendment, that is the right of freedom of speech and freedom of association and freedom of religion in the United States. So if someone says First Amendment, quite frankly, if you read First Amendment in uh, discussions of America, it usually means freedom of speech and freedom of the press, um, that the government can't quell that. Now, look, folks. There are limits. If someone says to you, if, if you meet an American who's traveling in France or Britain or, or Scandinavia or, or Greece or something or Turkey, and he, he says, oh, yeah, well, the freedom of speech is unlimited. It's completely unlimited. Well, it's not. Okay. It's not unlimited. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater and get away with that. That's, that's you exercising your, quote, free speech right to the detriment of others, which is not, you don't get to exercise your rights to the detriment of other people's uh, exercise of their rights. And let's be clear. I said, you don't have First Amendment rights at work in a private sector organization. I'm not saying that you don't have First Amendment rights in a public sector, in a governmental organization. But I can say this, you don't have full First Amendment rights if you work for the government either. But believe it or not, your, your freedom of speech rights are more expansive if you work for the government than if you work for a private company. Now, now that said, this guidance today isn't about the law anyway. It's about being smart at work. And if you work for a governmental organization, these guidelines we're sharing work beautifully for you as well, even if you have more legal right to speak more freely about some things. It's still a proscribed First Amendment or freedom of speech right in the U.S. And again, now we're getting into details, and every country, of course, is different in that regard. But this, this cast is about being smart at work. And folks, testing your rights, testing what your government allows you to do, 
at a private place of business is usually not a good career move. It's just not. Now, it's good that we have those rights, but exercising them in all cases as a way of making a stand is, in, in fact, in, in to, to some degree, a political statement all by itself. It's not true everywhere. N- not only can you not scream fire in a crowded theater, you can't just say any old thing you like at work and expect to be protected. I know this is true in the U.S. It's certainly true in some other Western countries as well. If you disagree with your employer and you start a blog criticizing it, even if you use that blog only on your own time off work, you can be fired for that and that alone. Right. You may not go to jail, but no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. About, <laughs> gosh, yeah, you won't go to jail. And you may be celebrated by the press or by your friends or by people who disagree with your firm, but you're going to be out of a job. And it's not that they're against free speech. They're against the stupidness. <laughs> they're against people who don't support the organization's goals and objective. If you start promoting a political point at work, you can be fired for just spending time doing that. Because talking about politics is not related to your work duties. You're essentially, every minute you spend talking politics is a minute you're not doing work and delivering on your objectives. You're shirking your responsibilities. So the company would say, we're not actually firing you because you're terribly political and you're riling people up. We're firing you because you spend so much time doing that. You don't perform well. Well, right. You have the free rights to have photography as a hobby. But if you go to work and spend eight hours doing photography, uh, don't be surprised if you don't have a job, right? It's similar to that. Exactly. Yeah. Look, if you espouse a point of view that is politically opposed to the views of your organization while at work and you do it in a way that's detrimental to the organization's goals and objectives, you can be fired for that too. But again, it's not because we're saying you don't have a right to free speech. They're saying you're not aligned with the goals and values of this organization and you're you're making it more difficult for us to achieve things. We'd rather hire somebody who's going to make it a little bit easier for us. Okay. Now, look, a simpler way of addressing the why of not discussing politics rather than getting into the legal definitions. And I'm sure we're going to get some emails and folks, if you feel strongly about this and you want to share your point of view about, about governmental legal implications for freedom of speech and so on at work, please, of course, go ahead and send it. We'll do our best to answer it. Um, but a simpler way to talk about this is to recognize that your political views are just that. They're your political views, your personal views. They're not the company's view. But hopefully remember, we've said this before, when you're a manager, when you speak, you speak for the company. What that means is that when you espouse personal views at work, you're creating an inherent conflict of interest. You're doing it all by yourself. You don't require anyone else to create this conflict of interest. What's interesting is all too often, conflict of interest require two people. But partisan political speech at work creates a conflict of interest all by yourself. Because if you're a manager, you speak for the company, but now you're espousing a personal point of view. Yeah, but everybody knows I'm talking, you know, just my own views. I'm just expressing my own views, right? No. I mean, that's what people would say. But the fact is, do other managers really know that you're only talking about your own interest? If you've never thought before about the idea that you speak for the company when you speak, and when we say that to people at conferences and at clients and so on, particularly younger managers go, wow, right? Uh, If you've never thought about that before, then can you really say that you know how others will see your speech and that is only personal as opposed to corporate? I would argue no. If you've not ever had that self-policing thought in your head, then you can't understand why people might think you speak for the company. 
and by the way, we're going to talk more about this when we get into the the direct part, just to make it crystal clear, and particularly when, as it relates to role power. But but think of it this way: What purpose does it serve to share your political views at work? Okay. Now look, it, it probably feels good, and it's it's something you do outside of work, and so it makes you feel comfortable, in a manner of speaking. And there are those of you who would say, well, everybody ought to just get used to the idea that I'm just sharing ideas and I, you know, I can argue, but I don't really, I'm not really arguing and I don't mind the conflict. I'm okay with it. We just, I just had that discussion with somebody recently coaching them. They're like, oh yeah, you're right. I don't think I'm tearing somebody's head off. Well, (laughs) okay, but they do. We're just arguing, you know, I kind of like the, I like to thrill the hunt. I like to mix it up. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And some people don't. We would argue that whatever personal interest of yours it serves to share a partisan political viewpoint, that is the most benefit that can be gained. You feel good. I don't think anybody's thinking that they're going to convert people to their side of the equation just based on a two or three minute conversation at work. And look, if that's the most benefit that can be gained, it's personal interest of yours, you like it. If that's the case, it's not worth it because there are negatives, as we've pointed out. Now, look, we're not corporate scolds here. We're not saying that there are never moments where personal interests might take a brief precedence over work. We can say that as a professional and as a manager, knowing in advance about the dangers of political speech at work ought to make us all willing to avoid it. Okay? And for those of you who might say, who might wiggle a little bit and say, I'm really not sharing a political view here I'm just engaging in a cultural or social dialogue in the same way that sometimes American Idol or Britain's Got Talent are in the discussion because it's a Wednesday morning and the shows are on Tuesday night. In that way, you know, American Idol is just a cultural artifact the same way that President Obama or Prime Minister Cameron or, or President Sarkozy is. They're just cultural artifacts. They're, we're just, I'm just talking about the world we live in. Right. It's like talking about the Yankees and the Red Sox. For example, yeah. Like yeah. We, we would say to that, nice flip and try. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're not going to argue with you. It's true that you're engaging in a social dialogue, but we would say back to you, you're engaging in a social dialogue about politics at work. It's not professional or put differently, not meaning that to be talking about politics isn't a defense. If you're talking about them, you're talking about them regardless of whether you mean it or not. Right. Well, then it, it certainly follows that if we can't talk about politics or shouldn't talk about, uh, there I go using the word should, but that we don't recommend folks talk about politics at work, then it's reasonable to suggest that professional managers never discuss politics with directs. I mean, that follows, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look, if you're not going to discuss politics with just anybody, the special obligation you have to be a professional, to set an example, to represent the company with your directs would be even more in force and you would be even more careful and more circumspect about sharing that part of your personal life. Look, we've said it before, right? When you speak as a manager, you speak for the company. Now, we've talked about this for hours, this idea, or we could talk about it for hours. But, you know, it's funny. We, we don't have a podcast about the idea that you, when you speak, you speak for the company, you represent the company, you are the company directs, because it's really not actionable. Think, think about it this way, folks. You get to fire somebody if you're the boss, but it's not you personally fire them. It's firing them. It's the company firing them using you as its spokesperson, 
right? You're not taking their pay away. The company is stopping their pay, but the company is probably not communicating with them other than if you are the company. In fact, if you ask yourself, how does the person learn? And they learn only through you. And if you didn't tell them no one else would have, then by definition, the way they learn that the company is firing them is the company must be telling them. And that means you are the company. Now, there are people who want to wiggle out of this, but you can't, folks. The whole point of being a manager is to represent the company to the people in your, in your part of the organization. Okay? When you assign work to somebody, it's not work at your house. <laughs> it's company work. right? When you give guidance, you don't give guidance about their personal lives. You give guidance about work. Here's something. I've been searching for a while about how to describe this, and I came up with a simple thought experiment. Suppose one of your directs made a comment that had racial or ethnic overtones. They said something that was objectionable in those arenas or in one of those arenas. Isn't it true that as a manager, separate from the fact that you'd probably have to talk to them about it, that you would describe what they're doing as a personal point of view? Yeah. Right? I yeah. I mean, yeah. You wouldn't assume that they're at work describing their church's point of view, right? Or that the team has voted and elected them as a spokesperson for this point of view. No. They're sharing their personal point of view. That, and that's how you would talk to them about it. Hey, don't do that anymore. Shame. Don't do it. Okay, but let's, let's look at a different uh, second part of this thought experiment. Suppose a vice president of your company made the same comment. Isn't it possible that you or somebody else around you, or heaven forbid, even one step lower than you, one of your directs, might ascribe that viewpoint to the company, even if not directly or completely? At least there's going to be a suggestion that the company apparently tolerates that viewpoint. What this means is, if you can't rule that out in the second part of the thought experience, thought experiment, based on nothing more than relative rank, you have drawn conclusions about the company from nothing but a personal comment. And that is what your directs may very well think about your offhand political comment, because in the same way that the VP outranks you and outranks them, you outrank them, you speak for the company, those kinds of roles get confused in people's mind. We take it for granted. We might not be thinking. And now we have made a statement that perhaps the company would have to distance itself from if it was on the front page of the New York Times. Hmm. So my mom was right. <laughs> I should probably just leave politics alone at work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my mom's political comment was, forgive your enemies, but never forget their names. Um, so <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that explains a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll finish this show up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. <laughs>